This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Maryland discussing the urban legend of a half-goat, half-man hybrid. Then, we'll discuss a serial killer who became known in the headlines as the cannibal. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the old line state. Since you were a little kid, you've heard stories of mythical creatures, urban legends, the boogeyman, and ghosts that lurk in the dark. The best stories were the ones that happened in your hometown, whether or not they were 100% true. At every slumber party or Boy Scout campfire, you could hear these stories repeated. It happened to someone's cousin or your neighbor had witnessed it. You'd sit cool, quiet, and try not to show you wanted to call your mom and just go home. Or maybe you were the other kid, that little shit who wanted to prove it was real. You know the ones the ones that insisted everyone go into the bathroom, turn the lights out, and repeat Bloody Mary in the mirror. Either way, those stories, those spooky tales of your childhood never go away. They get passed down onto the next generation of chicken chits who will tell it to the next. Today, I'm going to tell you one of those stories, a story of one who preys on lovers, teenagers, and sometimes dogs. One who is said to have hoofed feet and yields an axe. This is the horrifying urban legend of the Goat Man. These stories started in the 50s and 60s, but really started amping up in the 70s when a puppy named Ginger was found decapitated, cleanly at the neck. Oh no. The body was never found. They just found her head. You didn't even warn me about that. Sorry, right out of the gate. Some locals speculated that the dog was hit by a train, and that's why they never found her body. Others swore it was the work of the dreaded goat man. This creature is claimed to have the lower body completely covered in hair, hooved feet, and walks on his hind legs. Lacey wants to laugh. <laughs> she did not even look at I me. I know this person. Do you? I know this goat man. <laughs> He's, his upper body is well built and very muscular, and he stands about seven feet tall mm. and weighs around 350 pounds. Mm. It's not Jason Momoa. <laughs> it's, it's, this is a oh, ravenous okay. hybrid. Okay. Descriptions vary on if it resembles something closer to a minotaur or something out of Greek mythology. Almost like the Sagittarius, you know, he's like half man, half horse with, you know. Now I know why you picked this. Shut up. So he's said to live in a woody region of Maryland near the vicinity of Bowie, namely Fletcher Town Road. So occasionally he comes out hmm. and kills a dog. Oh my gosh. Or unsuspecting couples down at Lover's Lane playing kissy face. He yells and squeals and makes goat noises as he moves sneakily through the dark. Some say the goat man is an evil spirit from a Native American origin named Oki, who kept goats, but then he went mad after a group of teenagers killed his beloved flock. Others suggest it's the result of a mad scientist experiment gone wrong, but everyone agrees that for whatever reason, this goat man 
haunts the woods of Prince George's County, Maryland, and he's pissed off and he's out for blood. Lacey's not even scared. I would, this is scary to me. We just did a camping story. Could you imagine if you were camping and the goat man came out? No. (laughs) It's scary. So in the picture that I saw, just the one, I only saw the one so far, it kind of looks like a bear that's standing on hind legs, but a different. But it's muscular and not fat. But it's not fluff. Well, it is fluffy, but. It's not like Yogi Bear or Baloo from The Jungle Book. It's like if Channing Tatum was covered in hair and had horns and hoofed feet. Sounds pretty scary. Mm -hmm. The first alleged origin says that a genetic scientist who was working at Beltsville Agricultural Research Center, where he was experimenting on animal DNA that he brought goats in to test his theories on. And unfortunately, one day, this all went awry when the scientist used, you know, he was sequencing and injecting human genes into the goat's what? DNA, resulting in a ferocious human-like creature who then runs away into the woods. That was a real man? This was one of the legends that there was this agricultural center and the guy was doing an experiment on, like, mixing DNA. So it's like the Frankensteins of, of goats. Of goats. To Godenstein. <laughs> so residents saw him on occasion, and that's where he got his name. That's when they started calling him the goat man. The rumors got so bad that the USDA made a statement publicly denying creating this creature accidentally or otherwise. Really? Yes. Hmm. So the rumor goes that you park your car in the woods or by the woods with your would-be lover when he attacks. And he drags the man and woman into the woods where no one will hear them. And then he rips the man to shreds, has sex with a woman, and then kills her afterwards. Like, I get it. I don't like the fact that I'm single either, dude. But I'm not going to kill anybody. And he has an axe. Like, it's not bad enough. You're like a crazy scary giant goat man but you also have a weapon and hooves stomping around with your loud ass can you imagine if bigfoot had an ak-47 i'm just saying this kind of reminds me of there's a movie i saw it's been like a year but it's called i think the ritual on netflix no they're not in seen it. maryland but they're in i think somewhere in sweden or norway somewhere over there but they're in the woods they take a wrong turn they get lost yada yada and there's, it's not a goat, but it's a creature like that, where it has horns and a long animal-like face, hooves, the hooves whole thing. And horns, I'm out. Like any, it, I don't know. You watch all the weird, scary I stuff. I like a, I like an actual boogeyman or a demon. Demons are my favorite. Everybody knows that, though. Every time Ashley mentions a demon, take a drink. It's going to be our drinking game of the night. Moving on. <laughs> The next legend is he supposedly killed 14 hikers in Louisville, Kentucky in 1960. Oh, so he's not just in Maryland. I guess he's just like in the general vicinity. Okay. He gets around. The goat man travels. He does travel. So after a few hours of hiking, they supposedly ran on to the terrifying goat man where he aggressively pounced on them before they could do anything to fight him off. Only one hiker lived and he claims that the goat man gave off my favorite, a demonic energy mm. and was unearthly. They're tied in with demonic stuff a lot for some reason. Goats, goats. yes. 
And another movie I saw on Netflix recently had demons and goats. <laughs> I feel like that's your, like, it is very intertwined. So anyways, it ripped all of his friends' faces off into pieces and then it ran back into the woods. Mm-hmm. So Goatman has inspired horror movies like Deadly Detour. Is that the movie you watched? No. no. Damn it. I'm going to Google it now. And several international cheesy slasher films, a British documentary, and was even an episode of X-Files. There's also a haunted house on Route 1 called Goatman Hollow. And no, ma'am. We're not doing that. I don't know how to pronounce it. Baphomet? I'm showing Ashley a picture. The big goat That's man. scary looking. If anyone's ever watched Sabrina, the devil looks like this. I feel like that man. was also on episode of Dragnet. Yeah, this is that show? this is a satanic temple's it is statue. A goat. Mm-hmm. It's a goat-like, big horn, shaggy fur, cloven foot, nope. unmistakably satanic fiend from hell. Nope, 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 nope. That's what they called me in college. Is I'm that lies? I'm just kidding. So the last sighting of this goat man was in 2007, and there's the very little proof that justifies he exists at all. The mystery behind the goat man still intrigues so many after years and years of tall tales. Some don't believe it, though. I, I believe it. You do? Of course I do. You know I believe in everything. Do you believe in yourself? Bitch. <laughs> to answer... No. <laughs> I believe in demons. Oh, and The Witch, the movie The Witch, a goat was in it. They're they're badass animals, literally. I love goats. Well, if you want to go to Maryland and feel the need to tempt fate, grab Sam or whoever you want to make out with and go uh, park out in the woods and listen for the screaming and running hooves of the goat man. You're welcome for that little bedtime story. So Max always wants me to lay with him like just lay with me until I fall asleep so I usually do and take my laptop in there and work and do research and stuff while he's going to sleep and so I had printed out some things from work and I had all of it with me and one of the pictures was of Goatman, and Max was like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's just a big dog. Oh, and I took it because I was like, there's man. no way if he sees this and knows what I'm typing, he's going to go to sleep. And i got to be honest, I was a little nervous last night. I had to take the trash out. It was dark. I live in the total yeah. suburbs and, and little neighborhood, but I was like, oh, God, I've become I, a chicken chef. Oh, my gosh. I can't <laughs> think of that name that of the movie I'm talking about. But She's still hung up on this movie. No, but so what I'm going to do is I'm going to Google all of the scary movies involving goats. And put them on and our And put them on Insta. social, yeah. yeah. And then I'll let you know which movie it is. If anyone wants to binge watch satanic goat movies, we're, oh, your, we're your source. <laughs> we, we are your audience. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, if you're from Maryland and you've either, well, okay, if you've seen Goatman, heard about it, if this was a wives' tale growing up of, I guess it wouldn't be called a wives' tale, an urban legend growing up, message us or email us at United States of Murder. We want to hear about it. And if you do or do not believe in Goatman, especially if you're from Maryland or maybe Kentucky, I guess, he gets around. Mm -hmm. So you believe in Bigfoot as well. I believe in all the cryptids. All the cryptid. Yeah, Arkansas has the folk monster. It's also known as the Boggy Creek monster and the swamp stalker. 
There's a movie, an old movie I watched when I was a little girl that was like The Legend of Boggy Creek. Do Do you know where the town called Folk, Arkansas is? No, girl. I've only ever been to Conway like three times. It's a teeny tiny town, but it's an ape-like creature similar to the descriptions of Bigfoot, and it's sighted in Folk, Arkansas. Mm-mm. It has it allegedly attacked a local family in the 70s, and it's become a part of Arkansas folklore. Yes, this movie came out in 1972. It's Ooh. a horror indie film. Yeah, it's a cult classic. Is I'm going to watch Wikipedia that. says it's a large bipedal creature covered in long dark hair. I get a little overwhelmed with the face only covering beat the off with a hammer and and this yeah. is murder. It is murder. So. Don't come for me. Let's transition into my case, I guess. I'm also covering the goat man. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, so before I get started, I need to give a warning or a suggestion. Do not eat during this. Put down snacks. Oh, God. On December 8th in 1996, Rita Kemper met up with her friend Joe Matheny at his place. His nickname was Tiny. And that's what she called him, but he was not a small man. He was approximately 500 pounds and six foot one. Their friendship was mostly about sharing drugs with each other, mostly cocaine. So she went to Joe's trailer, which was located at a pallet factory in Baltimore, Maryland. While they were hanging out, he propositioned her for sex, but she refused. It got ugly and she ran out of his trailer. He told her that he was going to kill her and bury her in the woods with the other girls. He chased her, caught her, choked her, beat her, and then dragged her back into the trailer. So she suspected that, yeah, he, she thought he was going to rape her, but she also thought he was going to kill her. He told her that she could scream as loud as she wanted to. No one was going to hear her. And he lived in the middle of nowhere on a pallet factory. I feel like I'd be that brat that would say, okay, well, we'll see about that, Mm. and just sound like a banshee. Well, she said she knew that he planned on murdering her, but she wasn't going to let him kill her without a fight. Rita was able to break free and escape out one of the windows. So this is the second time she's tried to run away. She immediately fled to police officers in the area, so she did get out. She told them about what had taken place. She told them she could see the evil in him. So let me tell you a little bit about Joe, a.k.a. Tiny, and what mm-hmm. led up to this night in December. Joe had grown up in Essex, Maryland, and he was neglected as a child. His father was an alcoholic who died in a car accident when Joe was six, and his mother neglected her six children while she worked double shifts outside their home. At least that's his version. Joe said that he had often been sent by his parents to live with some other families and foster-like arrangements when he was a child. His mom, on the other hand, said that money was tight and she did have to work several jobs to make ends meet, so she worked as a barmaid waitress and food truck driver. His mom said that he was never put into any type of foster care and that he had a normal childhood. Records don't show any evidence legally that he at least. was in the system. Yeah, legally. But if it was friends, you know, that necessarily wouldn't be in the system. But there isn't proof one way or the other. So it's just kind of like a he said, she said thing. He says his childhood was terrible. She said it wasn't. So who knows? Yeah. When Joe turned 18 in 1973, he joined the army. His mom claimed that he served in Germany. But Joe said he served a tour in Vietnam. 
His service is unverified in the press reports, but American involvement in Vietnam had ended by then. He joined the Army in 1973, but the last U.S. combat troops left Vietnam on March 29th of 1973, so it isn't likely that he went on a tour there. Gotcha. But there's no proof online from one way or the other. So this is a sidebar, but it's something I learned while researching this. Did you know that the use of heroin by American troops in Vietnam was a huge issue? No. Yeah, researchers found that 35% of service members in Vietnam had tried heroin, and as many as 20% were addicted. But that means 80% had never. You see what I'm saying? No, no, 35% had tried it. So that means that 77% had. That's so, that's such a big number, though. Like, specifically. During that, but during that day and age, like in the 70s, I don't feel like that would be. That it was so widespread and to get a hold of and everything. I don't know. I feel like if it. I just didn't know. It it became such an epidemic that in the U.S. they had to give a speech on it and had to come up with ideas on how to get them. When it was the 70s and free love and everybody was doing drugs and. Anyway, it's. Unlikely Joe served in Vietnam, but he did use heroin and crack regularly. People that knew him did think he started hard drugs while he was in the war. I bet a lot of them did. Yeah, it's terrible. In the 90s, he lived in Baltimore and held a steady job as a forklift driver. Folks who worked with him said he was smart, well-spoken, and well-mannered. Well, in 1994, Joe murdered a 39-year-old sex worker by the name of Kathy Ann Magaziner. He strangled her and buried her body in a shallow grave on the site of the factory where he worked. The body remained there for over two years, but he dug up her skeleton, put the skeleton head in a box, and then threw it in the trash. Joe had a girlfriend and a young son. Well, some say, some articles said she was his wife, some said girlfriend, so I'm not sure on that, but she was also addicted to drugs. He would commonly refer to her as, his words, a crack whore. Jesus. Yeah. And so she took their son and left him one day, and that enraged him. He he said he couldn't stand her. He called her every name in the book. He said he couldn't stand her. In fact, he would pay her to leave him. He was pissed, though, that she took their son. <laughs> well, like, okay, she's like doing drugs. You're doing drugs. One day, he looked for them in the halfway houses and the places where he knew his wife did drugs. One day, he decided to check under a bridge that she would frequent. He did not find her, but there were two homeless men there named Randall Brewer and Randy Piker. He was convinced that they knew where his girlfriend and son were. They acted like they had no idea what he was talking about, so he killed them both with an axe. After this, he noticed that there was a fisherman nearby. He was worried that he may have seen or heard something, so he killed him too. Oh my god. Yeah. So after he murdered them, he tossed their bodies into the river, put rocks on them, all that, in hopes of hiding the evidence. Well, it worked. So, but he was arrested, and I couldn't find anything explaining how he was arrested for their murders because the bodies were never found. So he was arrested for the murders of the two homeless men, not for the fishermen, but for the two homeless men. He spent a year and a half in the county jail awaiting a trial, but he got acquitted. There was no physical evidence proving that he killed the two men. The bodies were never found. I mean, I believe anything after what happened with Casey Anthony. You could tell me anything, it would not shock me. He was released because he was acquitted, and it did not take him long to kill again. Of course not. I really dislike him. I listen to a lot of interviews, and he's 
he's just an asshole, 100%. When people said he was well-mannered and stuff that worked with him, I don't even know how he faked it, honestly, because he's so unlikable in his interviews. So in the middle of November in 1996, Joe murdered 23-year-old Kimberly Lynn Spicer by stabbing her with a knife. So it was just a month later that he attacked Rita Kemper, the woman who escaped. Mm -hmm. So after he attempted to rape Rita, he still had Kimberly's body at the factory site. So her body was still there, and you won't believe this. Well, you will. You said you'll believe anything now. He asked a friend to help him bury Kimberly's body. What did he tell them it was? A body? Yeah. You know, his friend immediately went to the police. Well, of course. Like you do. So his friend went to the police, reported it, and on December 15th, he was arrested and charged with murder. So the owner of the pallet factory business was also charged as an accessory to the crime. Why? They say, well, allegedly, the owner was disposing of evidence. I feel like you could argue I didn't know it was evidence. And it didn't get more in detail with this. I don't know. That's the thing about I hate about like research is you can only find so much, which yeah. leaves so many questions, which I know sometimes maybe our listeners are like, Yeah, for you're real. Just, you're not doing the research, or whatever. Mm-hmm. We see what you see. We are not professional investigators. So when Joe was being interrogated, he willingly offered up a confession. He went into gruesome details about each one. And even told them about the murder of the fisherman that he had gotten away with years earlier. They never even knew about that, and he brought it up. He showed zero remorse. You know he wasn't sorry. If there was an opposite, I mean, he's the opposite of remorseful. Proud. He was proud. So three days after he was arrested, he led police to the grave where he had buried Kathy. When they asked him why he killed her, he said, Sense of power? I don't know. Vulnerable? I dreaded just... I got a very, got a rush out of it, got a high out of it. Call it what you want. I had no real excuse why other than I like to do it. I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't ever clear how truthful his claims were, but he did confess to killing 10 people total. He also confessed to some other gruesome details. He said after he murdered Kathy, he dug up her remains, dismembered her skull, and then had sex with the skull. Why? Why do people do this? This guy is so... I have read multiple m- stories... People I've read about. ...of people that do that. So he also claimed to have fed human meat to customers of his small barbecue stand. Shut. He called it an open uh, pit stand. I am going to throw up. Yeah. So this is horrific... I did tell you all it would be, but he claims that after he dismembered Kimberly and Kathy, he would put some of their flesh into Tupperware. He would keep it at home. Then he decided to open up a small barbecue stand by the side of a busy Maryland road and serve it to unsuspecting customers. He said to police, just straight-faced and serious, if you mix Human meat and pork, no one can taste the difference. There's not much of a difference between pork and human meat. So implying he had also tried it. Oh. He didn't straight up say that, but I mean, why would he be so, oh, you can't tell a difference anyway. 
But mm-hmm. no one knows if that's true or not. That's what's so frustrating. So I tried to do a deep dive on, okay, what was this? Please tell me you did not Google this human meat taste No, like. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. No. I tried to find what was his food stand called. Is this, you know, of course, I tried to figure out if this was true and no one knows. It was just him serving meat on the road. So there's nothing that can verify he even had a stand. So we don't even know. He he loved the shock value. And he, it's like he wanted to be as nasty as he could be. That's disgusting. And there's a picture. I'll post it on our Instagram but that just shows you, you can see his personality just in this one picture. Anyway, he had a habit of lying. He would often change up the number of how many people he murdered. Sometimes it was nine. Sometimes it was ten. At one point, he told the police his mother was dead when they were interviewing him. Well, she wasn't. They found her and talked to her, and she's like, I don't know why I would say that, but pretty much after he turned 18 and went to the war, he distanced himself from his family. Because remember, he had a bunch of siblings. Mm -hmm. He distanced himself from his family. So I don't know. She, of course, said she thinks the drugs were his undoing. But there's not much about his childhood that's factual. So I don't know. So Joe was tried in 1997 for Rita Kemper's case and was given a death sentence plus 50 years. However, he ended up getting it reduced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. So Joe's attorney said he was remorseful about the killings, saying that his heavy drug and alcohol abuse brought about violent changes in his personality. However, at his trial, Joe said, The words, I'm sorry, will never come out, for they would be a lie. I am more willing to give up my life for what I have done, to have God judge me and send me to hell for eternity. I just enjoyed it. I dated a guy like that that would rather die than apologize for anything. That it's is just, insane. To his me. attorney was probably like dead. He was probably like crawling under the table. I'm done. What He's like, this do? is, yeah, no, I'm done. But that's, his quotes are all so bad and not just gruesome, but like he's so, he just, the way he talks about the women. The sex workers that he murdered, he basically acted like they were just, I mean, they were nothing to him. And it was just, and even I understand that there's probably something complicated going on with this child's mother, but he, the way he talked about her, it was just like, God, you're also on drugs. He has no respect. Just the use of the words crack whore, bitch. I mean, talking about any woman in his interviews, it was just like, he had zero, ugh. I really dislike this man. So on August 5th, 2017, he was found dead in his prison cell at the Western Correctional Institution. Gluttony. In Cumberland. (laughs) I don't know. Well, he lost a lot of weight in prison. So he was 62 years old. Not sure what happened. He was just in his prison cell and a guard found him lying there and unresponsive. That's suspicious. In his early 60s. So it's, he wasn't stabbed i don't think there again there was not much information on this it's so weird to me that something Mm. that can happen in 2017 kimberly's mother keeps a tattered bible that her daughter used to read during times when she tried to confront her problems one passage that kimberly underlined and highlighted reads for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's the horrible tale of the cannibal. That's the moniker he was given. I can't stand a a cannibal. 
I was contemplating adding some clips from his interview in in here, but I hate him so much that I don't even want anyone to know what his voice sounds like. He sucks. This is seriously one of the killers that they're all terrible, but he really, I don't know. There's no ounce of light in him, you know? In other news. Yeah, let's, we, no. Have you ever been to Maryland? Mmm, I think so. So, I love Baltimore. Yeah, I've been to Baltimore. It's one of those cities that gets a bad reputation. They People call it body more. Every city has. I agree. People are. Somebody to say something mm-hmm. negative about it. I had a trip there about five years ago. And so, it's Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. lived there and we went there for an interview but it was so random because we got there and went to his grave didn't know this on his birthday that is random what's your favorite edgar Allan poe poem oh my gosh um story or a hundred percent the uh gosh i can't think of the name of it right now the the heartbeat under the floorboard the Telltale Heart. The Telltale Heart. Yes, 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 yes. Mine is Annabelle. Ooh. That is like my favorite of all Edgar Allan Poe I love stories. Edgar Allan Poe. And fun fact, I, like you, did not know that. So I had went to um, Charleston. I'd been there several times mm-hmm. like growing up. But went several years ago. I don't know, maybe three years ago. And went on a ghost tour. You know how they have the ghost oh, tours yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. And we ended up at a cemetery. And so the lady, you know, with all the moss, it was is very, oh, yeah. very cool. Charleston. And so she's telling us all about this grave that we're at and, and how this girl met this guy. And he was a soldier at the time. And, like, her parents didn't want her to be with him because he was nobody. And she was, you know, she came from money. You know how a story goes, so on and so forth. And at the end of this whole big story that she tells us, she says, and this is Annabelle Lee from the Edgar Allen. And I was oh like, gosh. holy shit. I was like, wait, can you oh, tell that all so over again? Because you don't like your half-ass paying attention on those cemetery tours. I mean, it was interesting, but it wasn't like, it would have been much more interesting if she had started out the story like the body That's of really Annabelle Lee. And I, then I was like, oh, fuck. Now I want to come back here and do it's this all so over again. Cool. Very cool. Oh, and it was so, we went in the end of January and it was really foggy and rainy. Spooky. It was so Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But on his grave, there were roses and cognac left. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of the Poe Toaster? Well, tell me about I'm it. I'm going to tell you a quick Poe-related tangent. Now that I know you like Poe, too. So, as an annual tribute each year on Edgar Allan Poe's birthday, a masked person would leave three red roses and a bottle of cognac on his grave. From around 1949 until 2009, a mysterious masked someone toasted the famous author. He was born on this day in 1849. So they usually came sometime between midnight and 6 a.m. No one ever tried to unmask them, but his ritual was watched by a small group of onlookers. This traditional uniform of the Poe toaster was an all-black outfit with a white scarf and a big hat. And you can give this a Google, but there's a photo of this. A photo of this person in Life magazine in 1990. Nobody knows why the Poe toaster toasted the writer with cognac because he wasn't known to drink it and it's not in any of his works. But maybe the toaster liked cognac? I don't know. As for the roses, Poe enthusiasts think the gesture represents the three persons who remains are beneath the monument. Poe, his wife Virginia Clem Poe, and his mother-in-law Maria Clem. 
So a note was left there in 1999 indicating that the torch had been passed and that the toaster had died, leaving his sons to carry the tradition. But in 2009, the tradition stopped altogether. The Post Society somewhat scathingly notes that the would-be copycats hoping for the same kind of recognition had been dismissed as faux toasters. There's no more official Poe toaster, but when I went, there were still roses and cognacs on his grave and on his memorial site. I, I can share them to our social, but it was so neat. That's very cool. And there's this saloon called the Horse You Came In On Saloon, which is allegedly the last place that Edgar Allan Poe went before he died. And it's Baltimore's oldest saloon and the only bar in Maryland to exist before, during, and after Prohibition and operates as America's oldest continually operated saloon. I just have to add this in since I talk about Poe, but if anyone doesn't know all of this, on October 7th of 1849, Poe died shortly after drunkenly stumbling through the streets of Baltimore. He died in a hospital, but an autopsy was never performed. Some believe it was brain congestion, cholera, heart disease, and some experts believe that he had rabies. Which is the fuck? That's kind of what, after reading about it, I kind of lean that way. So he was sweating heavily, seeing hallucinations. He was extremely sick and belligerent. He was shouting at imaginary people. He was also super thirsty, but had a very hard time drinking water, which is a classic rabies symptom. Why? Why do they have a hard time drinking water? I don't know. They want water. It's like they crave it, but they avert it. I have no idea. Anyway, I love Baltimore. Now I want to go back. I want to go back. And I also had the best steamed buns of all time. Yes, you do have the best steamed buns. (laughs) (laughs) No. It was a place called Ekebin. I think it was near Phil's Point. I can't remember. I don't even know if this restaurant still exists, but they had the best steamed buns ever. Had good crab cakes. Baltimore, I love you. And I love The Wire, by the way, even though that's <laughs> that's dark. That show's dark. Have you seen The Wire? No. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? No. I'm making a list. The Wire is – okay, so it takes a while to get into because it's older. Their computers are like beep, boop, beep, boop with – you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's older, but it's so Give me good. a three by five. What's it about? The media, the cops – Kids, that drugs shit, in Baltimore. No, that shit stresses me out. That's all that's on the news <sighs> now. Not just Baltimore, but all over. There's a whole season involving children and just kind of no, like the cycle no. of, oh, it's so sad. You're I really still think about that. I know. I, I guess I love sad, terrible shows. Clearly. <laughs> anyway, now that we're done with all of that chatter, so we saw Candyman in theaters. We did. On Friday, we. Try to get a thousand people to go with us and everyone, everyone chickened out. So Lacey and I drank too many margaritas and then went to the movies. And Ashley it, brought a blankie. And we both covered up with it because it's freezing it in movie is. theaters. It the was seats so reclined. Good. The seats did recline, but it was so good. It really was. I was impressed with it. I was thinking it would be meh. It's thriller. It's really thoughtful. There were I don't some know. jump scares. Yeah. It's not it's super not scary it's as not in slasher yeah. blood and guts. No. But it, it makes you think, and it's also free. It is, there are jumps for sure. So, thank you, Nate, for sponsoring a cocktail this week. Thank you. What did you have? I had an apple martini. It looked really pretty. You should have one sometime. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's not something I ever think about ordering. You always drink the fruity drinks with like I know, flowers you and would shit think in so. it. And I don't, but I do like an apple yeah, martini. Yeah, that's true. I had a skinny margarita. 
oh, our one-year anniversary was on the 14th, our podiversary. Our podiversary. So yesterday, well, we're recording on the 15th, but how exciting. So over the weekend, we did an awesome photo shoot. That was really fun. Yes. We got our photos taken by Rock City Photos. He had he did a great job. We went to a cemetery, a classic historic cemetery here. But it was really neat. And then we went to South on Main, got some cocktails, did a photo yes. shoot. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Oh, and we all there's so many updates right now. Oh my gosh. We did a Patreon episode, and that's on our Patreon feed. Um, yeah, all of so, this Murdoch stuff yes. that's, like, blowing up. Well, Ashley did an update on the Murdoch case, and then something else has happened since the update. So I'm Now we have to update it again. You're going to have an you're update gonna get another to the update. update. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I covered a case that was in the headlines, and you I— want to hear it. you got to join. I had to block it out of my memory. Oh, my gosh. Anyway— Yeah, we added that, and we also have some exciting stuff coming up in October because it's spooky season. And we're doing a giveaway. Yeah, we're going to do something. I think we're going to call it 13 Days of Halloween (laughs) in October, leading up to Halloween, where either we do a giveaway or something fun each day. We'll post stuff on Instagram, Facebook. You like it. You share it. You know the drill. Join us on Instagram at United States of Murder. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at US of M Podcast. Join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash United States of Murder. I also put all this stuff in the show notes. So if you don't want to, you know, you don't have to remember this. Go to our show notes and click on a link. That's easier. But anyway, where are we next week? We haven't even talked about that yet. We are going to do Vermont. <gasps> I just pulled that straight you out did. of my ass. That's a good one to do. Okay, Vermont. We'll see. We're coming for you. We're coming for you, Vermont. Okay. Look, now it's dark outside. We can hardly see each other. And I it's... can't even go home and watch the new American Horror oh. Story because oh, it's Oh, that's another thing. <laughs> so I watched the first two episodes of that last night. We talk again about this on our Patreon. Yeah. So. Yeah. And your thoughts were thumbs up or thumbs down? So I've only seen two episodes, but overall, pretty good. I'm a harsh critic when it comes to that show. So for that show, I think it's pretty good. It's good. It's there's definitely some freaky moments. I won't give anything away. It's good. But yeah, it's it's dark, that's for sure. Makes you think. Anyway. Bye. Bye.